good to see you here this morning. I hope that you're just enjoying this beautiful morning. If you would, get your hymnals, turn to hymn number 426. We're going to stand together and sing all three verses of Victory in Jesus, hymn number 426. Let's stand together this morning as we sing. today to the house of the Lord.
may be seated. Well, good morning. So good to see each of you here in the house of the Lord this morning. We welcome you. What a beautiful Lord's Day God has blessed us with. And I was reminded this morning that His mercies are renewed each and every day. I'm so thankful for that. And if you're saved by His grace this morning, your salvation never expires. I'm talking about an eternal work of God. I rejoice in that. Isn't it great to be saved this morning? If you know the Lord, amen. Let's give Him praise this morning. He's worthy. God doesn't give us what we deserve. And um, certainly we can't boast or brag about anything we've done to have salvation. It's all of His grace. I'm so thankful for the grace of God today. And I'm, I'm so glad to see each of you here this morning. I, I welcome you, especially... Those of you that are visiting with us, we're delighted that you're here. And if you have a bulletin, attached to our bulletin is a visitor's card. And I want to ask if you'll just please take a few moments and fill out that information. We would love to connect with you and get to know you better. And, and also, there's a, a prayer request section on the back of our visitor's card. Uh, you may have a special request uh, on your heart this morning. And we would be honored to pray with you about that request. And, uh, if you don't want to be specific, that's fine. If you just want to put unspoken, God knows the need. And um, I'm so thankful that as children of God, adopted into the family of God by His grace, that we have the privilege of calling on our Heavenly Father in prayer. And uh, we just believe in the power of prayer. We've seen it. God's proved Himself over and over again through the power of prayer. And, uh, and we trust that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means it's powerful the power of prayer. We would love to pray with you about any re uh, request that you may have uh, this morning. And I just want to uh, just share a few things with you this morning. Today is our Harvest Sunday. We're praying for a harvest. And uh, what a privilege it is to know that, that God has made a way for us and, and uh, the gospel message, uh, the seeds of the gospel can be sown. And, and uh, we're just trusting God to do His work this morning. So please continue to pray with us. Uh, for souls to be saved even today uh, because God is still in the saving business, praise God. And uh, you may be here this morning and uh, the Lord may be dealing with your heart about salvation. I pray you'll trust the Holy Spirit today. He's the best friend you'll ever have and uh, you'll yield and, and place your faith in what the Lord leads you to do today. I'm delighted to have uh, Pastor Chris Aiken with us here today and his, his beautiful wife Jody with us and, and uh, their family and friends uh, here this morning. Uh, what a privilege. We're so glad to have you with us today. Uh, the Lord brought them from Pensacola uh, to the upstate, I believe, on Thursday. And uh, they've, they've been able to spend time with family and friends. And, and uh, what a blessing that is. And uh, I just appreciate uh, Brother Chris being willing to be away from his congregation today and, and to be with us and to share the word that God's laid on his heart. And uh, I'm so glad we welcome you. We're glad that you're here with us today. And uh, just want to encourage you, uh, be back with us tonight. We'll, uh, Chris will be back with us tonight. And, and at the conclusion of the service this morning, we're going to receive a love offering uh, for Chris. And uh, we'll be saying more about that. But I uh, encourage you to give. Uh, let's, let's take a good offering for God's man this morning. And I uh, just want to remind you about that and, and uh, make you aware of that. Um, I want to share with, uh, with our uh, RAs and GAs, uh, we have an exciting time coming up this Friday, our camp out. It's going to be a wonderful time. It's always a great 
uh, night together this coming Friday at the King's Cabin. And uh, we'll be meeting here at 5 o'clock and looking forward to that. It's going to be a wonderful time, so we want to remind you about that. And then our youth um, on Saturday will be going to Carowinds. Now, it says in the bulletin that the payment is due today. Uh, that's, that's not the case. You can bring it this coming Saturday or, or just get with Stoney. And if you don't want to pay it, Stoney will pay for it, okay? So... Oh, I'm sorry. See, I'm all confused this morning. All right. Okay, the winter retreat payment is not due today. Okay, that's, I was thinking that was Carowinds. Man, $140, $149 go to Carowinds. That is expensive, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, there's, I, I'm, I'm excited about uh, this coming weekend with our kids and also with our youth. And, um, and then even our winter retreat, we're looking forward to that as well. And I'm going to recognize uh, Judy. We've been uh, working on our prisoner packets, and she has some information to share with us about that. Um, I'm going to make it real quick and real brief. Uh, we've gotten in a, a lot of stuff, and people have given me money that I was able to go to Dollar Tree and get a bunch of stuff, and I found out I can get 20 rolls of Lifesavers from Sam's for nine forty-eight, which is the cheapest I have found anywhere. So this morning, <clears throat> I have decided that the most effective and easiest way for you and for me to finish out our packets is if you would just be willing to donate cash. And I had Cindy put on the uh, screen that we needed $330, but I have since then uh, received $80. So that means we, if we get $250 within the next three weeks, because these packets are due on um, November 16th, so we have three Sundays. If you will get that money to me in the next couple of weeks, I can get toothbrushes and toothpaste and three bars of soap for a dollar each at Dollar Tree. I can get the candy from Sam's and uh, that leaves the biggest expense is the envelopes from uh, the post office at 61 cents a piece which is about $200. So, uh, you know, if you want to make donations, it, and it won't be going to me, it'll be going to the WMU, but I'm just handling it since Ms. Wilma is not able to do it. Uh, we would appreciate it very much and that will help us to get reach our goal of a hundred bags thank you all right this is another uh, opportunity you never know what god will do with these prisoner bags the hands that they'll end up in and, and what god can do through this and so uh, uh we're down to uh, 250 if you want to donate that that'll help us reach our goal and and uh, uh judy had talked about miss wilma recovering and uh and i want to please pray for her miss uh, wilma smith i got to visit with her this week and and, uh, and so just keep praying for her. She's, she's weak and needs our prayers. And uh, uh, please remember her. And also, uh, Lorraine Mall family, we shared this Wednesday night. Uh, went home to be with the Lord. Please remember uh, this family. And uh, we have uh, several that are recovering from procedures. Uh, Miss Roselle Garrison, please remember her. And uh, also, Iris Aiken, please continue to pray for uh, Miss Iris. And then uh, uh, Patsy Morris and John Canarney will be having surgeries tomorrow. So I ask that you would please remember them in prayer and also pray for uh, uh, Bobby Shore as well. And um, this morning as we have the, the privilege of prayer, I want to invite all of you who would to come and join us around the altar this morning. What a privilege it is to call on our Heavenly Father in prayer. Let's join around the altar this time.
Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow before You this morning. We worship You because You alone are worthy. Lord, there's no one, there's nothing that deserves the right to be worshipped and praised except You alone. And so, Lord, today we come before You with humble hearts and we exalt and magnify and uplift and praise Your holy name today. Because, Lord, we know that You are worthy. You are mighty and true and living, supreme, perfect, holy and righteous. There's none like You today. So, God, we are needy people. And we look to You today for the help, God, that only You can give. I thank You, Lord, that You give us the invitation. You tell us in Your Word to come unto Me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give You rest. God, would You give that rest to us today Lord as we look to you help us God to open our hearts to you I pray dear God that we would tune in to you right now certainly we all have plans places that we're going to go and things that we're going to do outside these walls in just a little bit but right now Lord I pray that we'll tune in to you Lord I pray that each and every one of us God will ask what word do you have for me today what work do you want to do in my heart this morning and then, God, as you speak, as we're opening, as you speak to us, God, I pray for faith and courage, Lord, to trust you to do what you're leading us to do. And it's only then, God, that we can leave this place with joy in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy and your perfect strength. I pray we'd experience it today. Lord, of all that's said about today, I pray that most importantly, God, that we could say that we had an encounter with the true and living God. Lord, meet with us today. Help us today, dear God. I pray for those that are hurting physically and those that have upcoming procedures, those that are recovering from procedures, and Lord, for those that are battling cancer, I ask God that you'll be merciful. We pray for your healing touch. Lord, those that's lost loved ones, I pray, Lord, that they would experience your presence and your peace. Wrap your loving arms about them, dear God. Lord, I pray today that you would be with preacher Chris Aiken. Lord, I thank you for bringing him to us. And I know, Lord, that today is divine appointment. And I ask God that you'll give him freedom today. I pray that you'll touch and anoint him, Lord, that your work will be done by your power and for your glory. Lord, change lives, Lord, we ask. We'll give you praise and glory. Help our church, Lord Jesus, Liberty First, to truly be a lighthouse right here in this community, pointing people to Jesus. Because you truly are the way, the truth, and the life. The only hope. And I pray, Lord, it would become a reality here today for some. And we'll give you praise again, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. I offer to our hymn this morning. It's hymn number 572. Stand together with me and let's sing the first and last verses of I Love to Tell the Story. Hymn number 572. This is our offertory hymn. Let's sing the first and third verses. I love to tell the story of
Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our preacher. And Lord, just be with Chris today as he brings the word and be with him as he travels back. And Lord, just be with the sick in our church and just pray for everybody that's hurt. In your name I pray. Amen.
I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. What a day it's going to be. And I pray today that every one of you here this morning has a peace in your heart to know that when that trumpet sounds, that you're ready, that you're going somewhere. And the best is yet to come for the believer. And I give God praise for that. Do you know Jesus today? Because heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And thank God he's made a way for us. We'll just trust in him. And uh, you'll join us. We'll all join together. What a reunion day it's going to be in glory. We'll see our loved ones again. But more importantly, we'll see Jesus, the one who made a way for us that we could be there. We'll boast and brag and worship him for all eternity. No sickness, no tears, no sorrow. Uh, we won't have in our mansions, we won't have uh, uh, security systems or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be no sin. I mean, just imagine what a glorious place. And I'm looking forward to that. And I could go on and on. And I'm not going to preach this morning because God has someone else here today with us. And again, we, we love uh, uh, Pastor uh, Chris Aiken and his family being with us today. And uh, brother, you come on and, and preach God's word and then close as the Lord leads. Let's welcome Brother Chris to the pulpit today. morning if you brought a copy of God's word would you take and open to the book of Isaiah in chapter 55 I want to share with you a message this morning on the great invitation Isaiah 55 is our text and as you're turning let me just say to you I'm uh, grateful for you and grateful for your ministry I've prayed for your church and I've prayed for your pastor because this is the place where many of my family found to serve the Lord Jesus and I'm grateful for that and grateful for the opportunity to be with you uh, today. When I came in, I received two pieces of advice. He said, first of all, don't follow Pastor Mark around too much. He'll have you running. By the way, that'll happen if he has a stick, but short of that, probably not going to happen, all right? Second, they said, if anybody says Chris, don't answer, because there's more than two or three around here. So uh, uh, anyway, if you call my name and I don't answer, I was just following advice. That's all I was trying to do, okay? Now, they some other Chris's tried to tell me about all the Chris's that were in the room. And I don't know all of them, but they were giving me nicknames and everything in the foyer. So if that's you, I tried. I just couldn't remember all of them, okay? So uh, um, grateful for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to open God's Word. Um, it, this is, uh, you may not ever appreciate this, but it's a, it's a testing and trying time for your pastor to have someone else come in. One, God created him to preach. So for him to sit and listen, that's a work of God, all right? Secondly, he doesn't know me, but from a distance. And he knows that God's given him a sacred stewardship to lead a people here at Liberty First. And this pulpit is a key element of that. So I'm grateful for you entrusting to me, Pastor. And I'm, I'm thankful for it and uh, looking forward to our time worshiping together throughout the day today. If you found your place in Isaiah 55, just keep a finger there. Let me introduce the message to you this way. A young girl by the name of Angela, 16-year-old, high school sophomore, received a text message one evening. She was at home in the position of most 16-year-old high schoolers. She was laid out on her bed, looking up at the ceiling, listening to music, and suddenly her phone dinged, and it was a text message. She had her phone in her hand, by the way, in case you were wondering. That automatically is true. There's a pop socket on the back of that thing, so she didn't fall and hit herself in the nose but it was there and and the message that she received said this hey it's Brad will you go to homecoming with me question mark Angela's beside herself Brad had barely even spoken to her 
throughout school. They had a class together, but they didn't know each other real well at all. And honestly, she had planned not even go to homecoming. Hadn't even thought much about it because nobody had asked her. And then there's Brad. And Brad's really one of the cutest guys in school. He's ruggedly handsome, kind of like me. Ruggedly handsome and uh, 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 charismatic. And everybody seemed to like him a lot. And she's just beside herself. So she does what most 16-year-old girls do. She jumped up out of the bed, ran into the living room, and squealed to her mother. I'm going to homecoming. And her mother is really surprised. How is this possible? Just yesterday, you didn't even want to go. She's like, I've got to get shoes. I've got to get a dress. I've got to get this. I've got to get that. And then the speed picked up in the way she was talking. She just kept going on and on. She was so excited, could barely sleep that night. Think about this for a moment. The next morning, she got up to go to school. She barely slept all night. Showed up in science class. There's Brad across the room, and she flashes him a, a smile. And Brad kind of smiles back. And that was exactly what she needed at that point. So she walks over to him and she says, Brad, you have no idea how happy you've made me. I wasn't even planning to go to homecoming. This is a dream come true. I, I don't even know that, but then you sent me the text and also my answer is yes, yes, yes. Well, like most high school classrooms, many of the other students in the room had kind of cued into the conversation. They picked up on the movement and the, the lack of sad faces in science class and they knew something weird was going on. So they looked over and Brad's kind of embarrassed. He says, Angela, I'm so sorry. That message was for Amy. I texted the wrong person. Yeah, you felt that, didn't you? See, there's a great invitation, but it wasn't really for Angela. It was for somebody else. And oftentimes we hear of the, the work and the grace and the mercy of God, and we think to ourselves, that's an invitation for somebody else. It's not for me. I want to tell you this morning, God has a great invitation, and that great invitation is not for somebody else, but it's for you, if you'll hear Him today. God speaking to His people through the prophet Isaiah offers this word in Isaiah 55, and I don't know how y'all do it around here, but where I'm from, when the, when the King of the universe speaks, we stand in honor of the reading of His Word. Could I invite you to please, if you're able, stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. I'm reading Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 5. It'll be on the screens, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation. The Scripture says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know and a nation which knows you not will run to you because of the Lord your God even the Holy One of Israel for he has glorified you pray with me father we're grateful for your word and we're grateful that it's preserved and we're grateful that it speaks to a people 700 years before the birth of Christ but we're also grateful that you've held it even for this day and for this people and for our time together. Would you fulfill the promise that you've given us that your word never returns void, but it always accomplishes that which you desire to do. 
Would you with it pierce through our hearts? Would you draw souls to yourself today? And would our confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ be strengthened today? We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. You be seated. Thank you for standing. I want to share with you, because I'm a Baptist preacher, I want to share with you three thoughts on this passage. I've tried to, I've tried to share with people two thoughts and four thoughts. It all gets mixed up. So I'm just going to go with three. If you come back tonight, I may try to stretch myself and go with a four-pointer. But I want to share with you three things I want you to see. I want you to notice with me, first of all, the invitation. I want you to notice the invitation. In that text we read, it was obvious that God was speaking. Now, it was, it was very clear, it was very common for God to speak to His people, and everyone knew that. In fact, no one among the Jews wondered if they were God's people. They had heard from Him through His prophets. They were his people and they knew it. Even when they were experiencing chastisement, they knew that they were gods. However, from among the nations, from the people outside of Israel, there was always the question, what does that God have to do with me? I know he's the Jews God. I know he's the Jewish God. But what does he mean to us, the goy or the goyim, as the Jewish man would call, and uh, as the text gives us here, what does that mean to me? In chapter 54, we would read how God promised restoration to his people to bless them and to care for them. He instructed them through the prophet. He exhorted them and encouraged them. He even tells them uh, in his word, he tells them how he's going to bring them back to himself. Well, good for those people. But that's their God to those people. The nations did not know. The nations would look and they would wonder, so what? What does your God have to say for me and for us well Isaiah 55 is written to the nations it's written to the people but its focus is to the nations and notice what he says in verse 1 he says to them everyone who thirsts come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without cost he offers there five different imperatives or commands of an invitation or instruction, but he gives them a qualifier. Notice the audience that he speaks to. He writes it to everyone. Ho, everyone who thirsts. Not just to the Jews. In fact, if you consider the contrast against chapter 54, God has now shifted his attention and his intention directly to the nations. He wants the nations to know, I am their God, but I'm also a God. For you to everyone who thirsts he says and then he notes that in order for this to make sense to you you've got to be thirsty can I say to you satisfied people don't come to a holy God satisfied people don't change their lives satisfied people don't ever try to undo I can't stand behind that desk I'm doing my best but satisfied people can't do that satisfied people never move but thirsty people will move for water a thirsty person will move in order to try to get to what they desperately desire. He says, everyone who is thirsty, you're to come. The psalmist tells us about this thirst. In Psalm 42, verses 1 to 2, he says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 63 and verse 1 says, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Friend, let me tell you, God's not selling himself as a side dish to be added to your plate. He says, though, if you're thirsty, he'll be the main course for you. If you're thirsty, he'll be the centerpiece of your affection. He will satisfy everyone among you who is thirsty, he says, are to come. That's why he says in verse 2, he draws a contrast and says, why do you spend money on that which doesn't satisfy? And man, could he have ever gotten our number any better than to say that? How often we take and turn our attention and our focus to things. How often we give our affection toward things that are good but do not completely satisfy. But you who are thirsty, if you'll come, there's something for you. You have to be thirsty though. Why else would you pay any attention to what the gospel writer Luke said in Luke 9 verse 23 when he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Why would anyone take an offer that says, come and follow me with your own death and pursue me as your Lord? If you thought your life was awesome, there's no way you're going to do that. Everybody thinks their life's awesome at some point. But if you think a little bit, you realize a lot of that stuff that the world has is shiny really just is painted on. It's not genuine all the way through. Hey, you thought that that relationship, that's going to be the one that finally satisfies me. No, that's the one that wakes up with bad head and bad breath if you'll give it a little bit of time. That's not the one for you. You've got to find satisfaction somewhere else. God said, everyone who among you is thirsty, let him come. Look at the offer. He says, come and buy and he offers three things water milk and wine and those have a symbolic reference for us water brings us refreshment it takes that thirst and it quenches it it satisfies it milk uh, offers nourishment and strengthening uh, wine is always a picture of blessing he says if you're thirsty if you desire come and find uh, find refreshment find nourishment and find blessing here at the fountain that God has prepared come and buy he says wow God tells me to come and buy something, I must be able to earn it. Maybe if I work enough hours, I can come and buy these things. I don't know what you think you could spend for that. But I imagine the price tag's just out of reach. That's why he says, if you have no money, come and buy and eat. Now you think, my goodness, how do you buy something with no money? Well, you have to. Because there is a transaction involved, it's just you don't have the the, uh, the ability to satisfy the debt. You still have to walk up to the counter though. You still have to say to the storekeeper though, I want this water. I just have no money. For him to say to you, take it. It's already been paid for. You can't pocket it and slip it out the store. You still got to go to the counter, but you got to go and admit I have nothing to pay for this with. Otherwise, you'll leave thirsty. He says, come and buy without cost. And that's only possible, friend, not because God just decided to give it away, but because someone else paid the price. Our children, our two sons, from the time they were driving age up, Jody and I gave them uh, their own copy of our credit card so that they had the ability, if we wanted to send them to the store, they could go buy bread, milk. By the way, that's a blessing. When they get to drive, it's the only blessing of a teenager driving because you're worried to sick. You own, you got a stock in Maylocks and everything while they're going out. But, but, uh, but, 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 but if you needed ice cream at 10 o'clock at night, an emergency ice cream fix, you can gather up a 16-year-old and say, do you want to drive to the store? I'll go. 
So they got a credit card with their name on it. That way they could buy gas and food and whatever supplies they need. They could never be out on a, uh, on a date or on their way somewhere and say, I, I didn't have money for whatever. They had exactly what they needed. They had the ability to purchase, but somebody else was paying the bill. Do you understand when you come and buy an E, you have the ability to purchase, but understand somebody else is paying the bill. Hey, friend, are you thirsty? I mean thirsty. I, I don't mean religious. I don't mean satisfied. I don't mean what the, the look might look like on our face. I'm asking you, are you thirsty today? Maybe you've looked for peace by just getting centered on yourself in yoga or in possessions or in pharmaceuticals or in achievement. Maybe it's in your wisdom or intellect or your power, your ability to accomplish things. But, but you know it hadn't satisfied. Are you thirsty? If so, this text speaks to you. It says, come, buy and eat. Now here's what I've come to understand about people in my days. Being thirsty, well, we can handle that. We recognize thirst. Hearing an invitation, we recognize that. The question is, can I trust the invitation that I hear? God knew that question was coming up. That's why he moves us to this piece of evidence in the text for us to grasp where he says, if you want to know if I'm honest and if I'm being earnest with you, look right here. Let me show you secondly, not the invitation, but the evidence. The evidence you'd find in verses 3 and 4. Because here God says, here's proof that I am who I say that I am. Verse 3 he says, incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I'll make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Behold, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. God said, if you want to know if I could fulfill this promise, if you want to know if this promise could be for you, look to David. David has a word for us to say. He says, incline your ear. Listen to me, in other words. And then he gives David as the evidence. Now we look at that David and we think, well, that's David the king. Sure, we know about him. David, that's the giant killer. David was the first good king. The people chose Saul and Saul was a bad king. And then, and then God picked David and David was a good king. David's a great example. Now, some look at that. But I look at it and think, if David's really all that awesome, there's nothing in this thing for me because I'm not. Can I say to you, I wrote this statement for me. It may not mean a blessed thing to you. But I said, it's no encouragement if God only uses superheroes. Because if God's only into using people who are fully qualified in the top of the line, the first round draft picks, I don't qualify. But that's not who God uses. His qualifier, if anyone is thirsty, come. I can be an anyone. I can be an everyone. I just can't be the super one. Now look, check out the text here or understand when he talks about David, I want you to understand David was not considered the pick of the litter. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, the prophet is headed down to Bethlehem at God's direction. He goes to the house of Jesse. He's going to anoint a man. David's dad sent him to the field and brought his seven brothers and marched them right in front of the prophet. And the prophet's like, that's got to be one. That's got to be, that's got to be. And God didn't pick any of them. And then, what's incredible about that, the prophet looks to his dad and says, you don't have any more sons? In other words, he's saying, I know I heard from God. God said I was going to find the one that I'm going to anoint as king. He's going to be here at your house. I know he's got to be here, but I don't see him anywhere. And he said, well, there's that one boy that I didn't think anybody cared anything about. In fact, I left him in the field watching the sheep so I could bring the best of my flock. He brought David, and God said, that's the one I was after all along, the one nobody else thought could be used of God. That's the one he picked. 
You may say, wow, well, that, that God picked David because he was unqualified. That's how I got called to preach, friend. The Bible says that not many wise, not, God doesn't choose the wisdom of man in order to convince men. In fact, he uses the foolish things of the world to convince the wise. He picked David because David was the least likely of all the boys. When I tell our, teach our youth group, taught him this a couple weeks back, I shared with him, I said, you got to understand David was too good looking to be considered a warrior. He had a baby face. Like no, no real soldier would ever took him seriously. That's the man God chose to be this warrior king, to be this leader. Well, yeah, but David, he had strength. I mean, he killed Goliath. Yeah, but do you know, before he ever killed Goliath, God had put him through a number of challenges to train him to be able to stand up to a giant. He taught him to stay out in the woods by himself watching over the flock at night while nobody else was around. Talk about scary. And then to make sure he could work on his reflexes he sent a lion his way you're thinking good night God doesn't ever have to send a lion to my way he does if he knows there's a giant in your future he got to teach you to fight giants by bringing a lion for you to kill and a lion and a bear David in fact when Saul said boy there's no way you could stand up to the giant he says I've killed lions and bears and I'll make this this uh, uncircumcised Philistine like one of them if you'll give me about a minute But God had trained this untrained, good-looking, uh, un unnecessary-to-shave boy to be able to do something. God doesn't need superheroes. He needs available. He needs those who are thirsty. Not only was David selected, but David becomes our instructor as a leader. He says that uh, God says, you don't have to wander through this thing and figure it out for yourself. He says, follow David's lead. David learned to follow after me. David learned to trust me. David learned to rest in me. But then there's another aspect of David that becomes an encouragement to me. David's maybe second most notorious thing is his sin with Bathsheba. When you look at him, you think, my goodness, this great giant killer, great king, yeah, who was also an adulterer. In the time when kings would go off to war, David stayed behind, sent out his men. He was cocky. He had already learned how to conquer stuff. His men were good. So he stayed behind, walked around on his roof one night, saw a woman bathing, Bathsheba, sent for her, brought her in, had an affair with her, fathered a child by her, and then said, man, if the word gets out, the National Enquirer and Fox News will both kill me. So he said, I know I'll bring her husband back from the field. I'll let him lie with her, and then he'll be the one that gets blamed for this. But his, his soldier, the commander of forces, he didn't fall for that. He never slept with his wife, so David just killed him. Then smug David took this woman in like he was going to be the hero of the town. There's only two people on earth that knew about his sin, him and her. But God knew. So what God did is God turned a spotlight on him. God drew a circle on him. God turned the light on him. God zeroed in on him and brought Nathan the prophet to accuse him, to bring him to... To, to a place of repentance. In fact, all of that's recorded in 2 Samuel 11 if you were looking for it. And it worked because Psalm 51 details the prayer that David gave to God when he confessed his sin, took ownership of the consequences, gave a plea for mercy, and committed to help others see and know the merciful God. See, even though he had committed a great sin, God's greater than our sin. Even though he had failed at astronomical proportions, God still used this man. And 
places him as a witness to you and I, the scripture says. Some think, man, I wish, I think God was just being too hard pressing in on David like that. I mean, after all, after he zeroed in on him and made his life so hard, why did God do that? I got a better question. What if God hadn't pressed on David through the prophet? He'd have died an unrepentant man. He'd have died separated from God for eternity. But God loves us too much to let our sin go unacknowledged. God loves us too much to let us walk away from all that he's provided. Which is why he says, if you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, come to me. Come by and eat and I'll provide for you. Hey, here's a question. What's God been drawing the circle of your life around tighter and tighter about? That thing in your life that, that you thought, man, nobody knows, just me, just me and this person. And, and God just keeps seeming to bring it back around. And, and somebody will ask a question and it just triggers you and you're thinking, ah, they're going to find me out. Can I tell you something? It's a sin against holy God. God might very well be drawing that circle tighter and tighter and tighter. Not to break you, but to bring you to a place of repentance. Just so you'll acknowledge and say before him, God against you and you only, as David prayed, have I sinned. One last thing I want you to see. I want you to recognize with me the outcome. Look at verse 5. God says, look at the work that I have in store here. And understand in verse 5, Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you. Because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. In this we find not only our restoration, but we find our purpose. He says, you will call a nation that does not know and they will come. He says, you are nothing, but now the nations will come to you because God's glorified you. You are nothing. You are, you are insignificant. And yet others will catch this. Others will see the working of God in your midst. And because of that, they'll come to you and go, how do I get in on that? Because God's glorified us. Now wait, you think, I know my life. There's nothing about my life that's glorified. In, in a way, you're right. In fact, if you understood the text here and you look at the text, you see that God's actually looking forward to a statement here. The truth is, is God can take ashes and make it beautiful. And, and He's revealed Himself and He'll renew you. Romans 8 says He'll use all of those crazy circumstances to, to work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who have the call according to His purpose, that He'll use everything to bring you together here. But when it says He glorified you, God's, it's like He's looking forward to the end of the game and He knows where you're going to end up. And you may not feel like you've been glorified. You may feel like it's just a lion about to attack you. But God knows how the thing ends. So he says he glorified you and because of that the nations will come. Hey, catch this. Ah, to illustrate it. The other night, that great tragedy of a football game. I had to work that day. I couldn't, uh, couldn't watch the ball game and, uh, because we had, we had life group. We do our small group ministry and I attend a small group. We do our small group ministry on Friday night. So uh, Clemson and those fellows from across the line and uh, you know the ones I'm talking about. They've wanted it bad. You know the ones I'm talking about? Y'all don't even, some of you, are, you're probably a Carolina fan. They got two or three because, you know, there's some from everywhere in the nations. Anyway, but, but uh, anyway, so we're, we're watching the game. I got home. I was on full media blackout. Don't tell me nothing about the ball game. I don't want to know anything. 
I know it's over, but I don't want to. I didn't even get on Facebook to see who wanted to harass me or who I could harass. That was a foregone conclusion in my mind. We'd win. Well, Jody, Jody loves football almost as much as me, but it's almost. And it got to about eleven o'clock that night because we're just what we're. I'm about the third quarter, and I'm watching and shaking my head. And she just got on Google and said, "Well, I'm going to bed." I'm like, how could you go to sleep at a time like this? She went ahead and looked to see what the ending was going to be like. And she said, good night. No more stress, no more worry, no more any of that. Good night. Love you. See you tomorrow. I didn't. I stayed right through to 1230 and watched every blessed last second of it. And then went to bed mad. Here's the difference. She knew the end before it was over. You look at your life, you don't know how this thing's going to end. You look at your circumstances, you don't know how this thing's going to end. But God knows exactly how it's going to end. That's why He said, God's glorified you. There's coming a time and a day, dear friends, that if you're thirsty and you'll put yourself in the hands of a holy God, He's glorified you. You can't glorify you. You'll blow it if we give you enough rope. You'll hang yourself. But God's glorified you. And he did so, so that the nations would look and see you and recognize not you, but your great God. God's got a purpose for you. I'm afraid many times we, we get to thinking in our world today of religion in very personal terms. I got saved. I'm forgiven. I'd get help when I need trouble. Can I say to you, this thing's really less about you and more about him than you could ever imagine. In fact, dear church, hear me. I hope you'll come back tonight anyway, but hear me. Liberty first ain't, ain't. Well, I'm home. Liberty, fir Liberty first ain't so much about you. It's about the city God's placed you right in the midst of so that they'd know your great God. In fact, if it's turned inward and become about you, you've perverted and polluted what God made pure he put his bride right in the midst of, a, midst of a city and said if you want to know what a good God looks like look what he's doing in the lives of these people that's what he's called you to oh man how far we get away when we turn and make it about us as opposed to about the one great God God gives us purpose see there's no more wandering around aimlessly but he gives us purpose and power but you have to come. You who are thirsty, come to the waters. Now listen. But there's one more thing you don't want to miss in the text. Because if it's about you, you'll wait till the time's right. But if it's about him, you've just got to make this the right time. Look at the last verse, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near seek him while he may be found call when he is near that's why you're here today to hear him to see him to call upon him to begin to fulfill that purpose which he created you for and he created for you but you'll be tempted you'll be tempted to resist it you'll be tempted to control it you'll be tempted to try to orchestrate around it or manipulate it you need to know he's here and he's calling you come if you're thirsty 
I'm going to do it next week, preacher. I got to get myself together first. If you can do that, you're better than anybody else ever walked on the planet. Bring your broken self to Jesus. Let Jesus fix you. By the way, he said, because I glorified you, the nations will know me in you because of what he did. But you got to get thirsty. I want you to know as I close, this is not a wrong text message to you. You're not Angela and God's not Brad. God didn't sit and say to you, oh, I'm sorry, I was inviting somebody else. God said to you, everyone who's thirsty, come, buy and eat without money. Don't spend money on that which could never satisfy again. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy and drink water and milk. And why come, buy and eat. My God doesn't send out wrong text messages. So how do you know that's for you today? You'll have to give me 45 seconds to tell you, but it's God's story of just what he did to Chris Aiken. So I'm just going to have to go over by 45 seconds. Doc my pay catch this when I was nine years old I'd heard the gospel story many times but when I was nine years old for the first time in my life the weight of my own failure rested on my own heart I was at a training union class it's hard anybody knows what a training union is I don't even have one in my church a training union class at nighttime discipleship and the teacher was telling us the gospel and for the first time, I recognized that I had separated myself from God and that that grieved God's heart. And all I knew was, I don't know. Teacher, tell me what I do about this icky feeling in my life. And she marched me down the hall to the dungeon. I mean, the pastor's office. Dark, wooden, lots of musty old books. And there, Pastor Coker prayed with that I might receive Jesus. My life's been a mixture of awesome and train wreck back and forth since then. But Jesus said, I've already glorified you. If you're thirsty, come. This morning I would beg you, in the name of the, in the name that's above every other name, in the name of the one who saw you from the beginning knew you'd blew it saw that your daddy left you in the field but waited long enough for him to bring you in in the name of the one who recognized you and your failure as you took step after step after step toward unsatisfying sin and yet he did not give up but tightened the noose tighter and tighter and tighter until you'd surrender in that name this morning come would you pray with me Father thank you for mercy and grace your word which is true and the ability not only to hear it but the opportunity to believe it Lord I believe this morning there are folks in here maybe have a great veneer and a great facade maybe serve as leaders in this church maybe have made professions of faith or confessions of faith at this church or their church have told people for years that they had a relationship with you yet deep in their heart they know they're thirsty 
I pray today they'd not walk away thirsty. They'd not walk away salved by, by just a little sip of water. But they'd come to the fountain. And that they'd know grace abundant. So Lord, be glorified in our worshipful response of obedience to you in this hour. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, today would be your day. Today would be your day. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. But now it's going to require courage from you. You're going to have to admit that you're thirsty. But if that's you today, if today you'd say, I know that I, I'm, I'm living out of fellowship with holy God. I'm thirsty. Would you just right where you are, stand up, make your way to an aisle, and come visit Pastor Mark right here. You say, I don't know. I don't know these people. Or I do know these people. I don't want them to know I'm thirsty. God knows, friend. Why not surrender to Him today? Could it be that He put you in this place at this moment? Would you come today? Would you just stand right where you are? Just right now, make your way to an aisle and come to the front of the, of the worship center and meet this pastor. Everyone who is thirsty, let him come. Come by and eat. You with no food. You with no money to buy food, come by and eat. Come. Seek the Lord while He is near. While He's near. Perhaps you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm a Christ follower. But honestly, I've, there's stuff like David, there's stuff in my life that separates me from God. And I need to start over today. Can I offer you a word of encouragement, dear friend? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says that if we say we've not sinned, we lie and the truth's not in us. He's talking to us. But verse 9 says if we'll confess our sin, God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe that's you today. Maybe right now, right where you are, you need to simply say to God, God, forgive me. I've been in the wrong place, the wrong time, for too long. I'm so embarrassed and ashamed by it. Forgive me today. Forgive me today. Perhaps in your heart, this, the words of this melody ring true. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Pastor Mark. Moment. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment, but before I do, I wonder if the Lord has spoken to your heart, maybe kind of made you uncomfortable this morning, like David was uncomfortable when God convicted him of his sin. Maybe some of us are there right now. And if you feel a desire in your heart to come this morning, come to the waters, living waters, God can give you life. He can restore. He can give you peace and joy and hope. If that's you this morning, when I ask you to stand, I encourage you to come. Don't wait. Don't put it off. I assure you the evil one will tell you to wait. 
you can do it later. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to wait. The Bible always talks about salvation as being today, now. There's an urgency because we seek the Lord while He may be found, which implies there'll be a time when it's too late. Don't let it be too late for you. So in just a moment when I ask you to stand, if God's speaking and dealing with your heart, there's a desire in your heart to trust the Lord, to be saved this morning. Not only stand, but I encourage you to come forward. So right now, would you stand together? The Lord is speaking to your heart. Would you come? Danny's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. This is your time. It's time to experience joy. It's time to experience peace, to be restored right now. Now's the time. God is speaking. I encourage you to come. Would you do that? As Danny leads, would you come? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back no turning back before we continue to sing i just want to say maybe you're here and you've tried things of this world you've tried popularity you know you've tried relationships you've tried money you've tried all this stuff and yet it's just left you empty and longing for more let me just tell you only jesus satisfies it's an everlasting satisfaction Oh, I want you to experience it this morning. I pray as God speaks that you'll, that you'll come and you'll trust Him this morning. Danny, would you continue to lead us? Let's sing together. This is your time. Will you come this morning? Let God be glorified in you this morning. Let it happen right now. God can do it. He is mighty to save. Would you come this morning and experience life? Come to the water. Come to the water this morning. Danny, lead us. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Continuing to sing, this is your time, would you come? Mass, every head bowed and every eye closed. No more singing. I just wonder this morning, is God telling you that you need to get right with Him? Is God speaking to you 
about your sin and how it is separating you from Him. But yet He's calling you to Himself. You don't have to be separated from God anymore. You can be restored by faith in Jesus. Have a personal, real relationship with Him. My testimony is that when I got saved, it was such a joy and a burden was lifted because I realized that I was no longer alone anymore. I didn't have to please others. I didn't have to live for others. What a joy it is to live for Jesus. And to know that He's with me. He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He comforts me. And He guides me. And yes, He even corrects me and makes me feel uncomfortable because He loves me too much for me to stay that way. Does that, does that sound like something that you have this morning? Do you have that relationship with God? If God is telling you this morning to come, would you do that? A hundred years from now, you'll be glad you did. Would you come? Though none go with me, I will come. The world behind me, the cross before me. Forsake the world. Forsake it all and come to Jesus. You'll be glad you did. Still not too late. This is the last verse here. Would you come? Thank you so much. Boy, I just sense the presence of the Lord in this place this morning. I believe... God is dealing with hearts. And isn't it a great thing that the God of the universe, our Creator, loves us too much to just say, you're on your own. I forsake you. There's no hope. There's a better way. I'm thankful for that this morning. And I want to ask you, if you would, if you'll just uh, just take a seat right now. We want to call our ushers forward. and uh, you enjoy the message this morning? What a blessing. Thank God for God's man, faithful to share God's Word, to be away from His congregation at Calvary Baptist Church down in Pensacola, Florida, and is here with us uh, this morning, and and um, we want to uh, um, support Brother Chris, and and I, I encourage you this morning as the Lord leads uh, that, that, uh, that you would be faithful to give, and um, you know, we will do this again tonight, so you might say, well, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not, you know, prepared right now, well, we'll do this again tonight, and if you have a check, if you want to write a check, just make it out to Liberty First Baptist Church, and, and then we'll put it all together in one check and you know, simplify things. But I'm going to call our ushers forward and ask God to bless uh, the offering uh, this morning for His glory. And um, thank you so much for being here. Now, I, I encourage you.